Oh, oh, one more thing. Yes, welcome to Just One More Thing, a podcast about Columbo. My name is John Morris. And I'm R.J. White. This time around, we're talking about Murder by the Book, originally broadcast September 15th, 1971, directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Steven Bochco. What? Yeah, those are surprising, exciting things. Uh, starring Jack Cassidy, Martin Milner, Rosemary Forsyth, Barbara Colby, and of course, Peter Falk as Columbo. And every episode of Just One More Thing, we are joined by a special guest to help us talk about Columbo. This time around, it is Gwen Inap, the writer for the AV Club and author of the article, 10 Episodes That Show Why Columbo is the Most Iconic TV Detective of All Time. But before we bring Gwen on, RJ, tell us a little bit about today's episode. All right. Ken Franklin and Jim Ferris are the blockbuster writing team behind the popular series of Mrs. Melville mystery novels. Hey, wait. Actually, team is a bit of a strong word, seeing as how Ferris has all the ideas and does all the writing, while Franklin does the publicity and spends half the money. Well, when Ferris wants to split up and write some more serious books on his own, Franklin can't have that. Along with a blow to his ego and being exposed as a fraud, he has a very expensive booze, dames, and vacation house habit to uphold. The only solution? Well, kill your partner, of course. And, oh heck, throw in a blackmailing widow while you're at it. When Columbo is assigned to the case, no amount of roadblocks and diversions that creepy Franklin throws in his way can keep him from solving a whodunit that would tax even the Melvilliest of Mrs. Melvilles. <laughs> nice. There's a the program. Uh, thank you, Gwen, for being on the program. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, well, uh, of course, your column. Uh, it's a great column. Um, and you, this one is definitely on your list of the ten episodes. But then I also see, uh, hold on. Oh, gosh, there was one... Res- but they also have the Bye Bye Sky High IQ murder case on there, too. Oh, yeah. Which, oof. <laughs> we're we're going to get to that one. I think we'll get to that one just before the George Went episode. But, I yeah. can actually jump in with a bit of trivia tying the, the, uh, that episode with this episode. Why? The, we repeatedly see during the course uh, of uh, Murder by the Book a painting of Mrs. Melville. Yeah. Which is also up on the wall of the Academy in uh, Bye Bye Sky High IQ. Uh, they reused uh, they reused the the prop. Weird. The, well, they, the whole Academy must have been a big fan of Mrs. Melville. I guess so. Well, actually, hey. if we're bringing up that whole kind of thing, props uh, switch in place between episodes. Um, the uh, Eddie Albert episode, uh, whose title escapes me, we talked about um, murder, murder by the boat. Yeah, murder by the boat. <laughs> <laughs> um, on his bookcase in his uh, condo there, oh yeah, uh, there's a whole bunch of uh, Mrs. Melville novels up there too. Yeah, so they all exist in the same Columbo continuity, mm. which is a sad thing. Yeah, well, well I, if we're if we're talking like about Sky High IQ episode, hmm, yes, are, are you saying you don't like that one? I was not a huge fan of it. What? Really? I don't know. Yeah, that one. I just something just kind of I don't know. Something threw me, most uh, of it. I'm not sure what it is. Might have been Theodore McKell. They throw, a, they I don't throw know. a brain teaser or a logic puzzle in the middle of a television show. Yeah. I always have to, I turn it off, and I'm like, great, i got to work this out before I get back to the TV show. <laughs> I was just so frustrated. I'm like, ah, oh, I can't watch this until I figure out how to figure out where the fake gold is. <laughs> uh, so you're obviously a fan of the program. How, how did you first uh, come to Columbo? 
as it were? Uh, well, I'm super old. So <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, you know, the Sunday mystery movie was a big deal. And, um, you know, with the creepy music and the mm-hmm. flashlight. Oh, that guy, that guy going through the moors or the marsh with oh, the flashlight. Yeah. yeah. Good. Um, and said, so watch it with my family. And, you know, and if it was like a McLeod, it was just it's such a crushing disappointment. <laughs> oh, we oh, Columbo. Like we would just turn it off. In McMillan and wife, whatever you know, Columbo or nothing. The Banachek so. was borderline. Those don't hold up very well, though. The Banacheks. <laughs> oh, Banachek. No, he's a he's a hard honey. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I so I grew up on it, and then by the time I was older, and it was on reruns all the time, and um. I just, I, you know, I think it's Peter Falk. I think it's, he just resonates with me somehow. His, the kindness as Columbo mm-hmm. and the disarming way he gets the best of all these great villains. Uh, I, I could watch him forever. I've never, never stopped watching it. I never get tired of watching it. Well, uh, talking about the rewrites, as someone who uh, follows television, who writes about television professionally, um, it, it it's, become an interesting thing to me in, in uh, doing this show and finding out more about uh, this, this program and its history. Uh, the fact that uh, compared to the U.S., like over in the U.K., this mm-hmm. show never stopped running mm-hmm. and like, in like prime time. It was always there somehow, forever. Whereas here, you always had to kind of see it in, like I, when I first saw it, it was like reruns on Sunday mornings on some uh, NBC affiliate in Detroit and mm-hmm. it would just be gone forever. And it would show up in A and E in weekday afternoons, or it would show up like these days on MeTV. These days, I think at um, the uh, Hallmark uh, Movies and Mystery Channel on cable. But it was always kind of like you had to seek it out, you had to hunt it down. So it kind of people knew about it, but it wasn't there in front of folks. I'm wondering why? Why do you think that is? Perhaps like it did well better over there than it does here in the U.S., where you think like, well, this should be like a classic thing that's constantly on well i actually lived in england for a while after oh college. i was a i was a bingo parlor hostess i don't like to brag it's congratulations ladies. who, who hasn't been i know uh in brighton uh, but it was when i lived there it was shocking to me um i know colombo came up a lot and there were two uh, american tv programs and i think they based like all of american culture on um dynasty was oh, really big okay. at the time. And Cagney and Lacey. Like, really? I think they just really loved, like, they just thought everything was about, they, I'd never seen Cagney and Lacey, and they couldn't believe it. Um, so I think just, like, these kind of, like, run-of-the-mill, you know, average people, detective programs, um, again, really, really resonated over there, too. And I think, you know, whenever we run these articles on Columbo, I mean, Columbo is a decades-old program, mm-hmm. And when I did that list of 10 episodes, I mean, I think we got almost like 400 comments. You know, people still want to talk about this show because uh, I think another thing that because it was it was the movie of the week and it was every third week and it was longer. So the quality, you know, they could spend their time with it. They right. got, you know, look at the look at the people working on this episode. I mean, that's top drawer. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and so it would, it never, you know, it never really wavered, especially that first run. Mm-hmm. So, and there's, you know, there's not so many of them, you know, it's not like it ran into the ground with, I don't know how many episodes of Becker are there. But, <laughs> oh, poor Ted Danson. Yes. I, 
What a great go-to. He to be a better detective or something. But, you know, so I think Columbo was just, it was done really well. It was done sparingly. And, um, you know, and I think the it stands the test of time. Definitely. I mean, actually, uh, we, we offered you the opportunity, like, okay, which one do you want to talk about? Uh, you picked this one, which uh, was the first regular episode. Uh, why did you pick this one? Well, I yeah, I was kind of surprised you guys hadn't done this one yet, because this is like the one like, like this is the the thing that kicked off everything and you know and, and with spielberg and bochco um and i what just, i just waiting for the right guest there you go <laughs> see oh i'm glad thank you uh, <laughs> well and for me what's so interesting to me just think about this is the jump between prescription murder and this episode you know oh right yeah in that first pilot uh, where he's, you know, I mean, he's still Columbo, but he, he's a little gruffer. He's a little neater. Uh, and in, but right out of the gate with Murder by the Book, it's Columbo. It's Cigar. It's just one more thing. It's, he you really know, hits the ground down. running, yeah. He, he, he picked out that suit. Peter Falk picked out that suit himself. And that's <laughs> right. just, just, I, I did all this research to do that article, and everything I read, I read his autobiography. Everything I read just made me like him more, of course. Um, but that, you know, he picked out the outfit. He picked out the car, you know. It was pretty. Columbo is pretty much all his creation, right? No, and, and, and the interesting. I mean, I mean, because of the first episode of, of Columbo, we should probably go back a little bit of background for this. I mean, yeah, it started out with a prescription murder, which was this uh, stage play that Levinson and Link wrote, which played around the country and it did pretty well. And they'd written some other uh, television programs, and they thought, like, oh, well, we'll put this in as a TV show, try to sell it, and yeah, they made that initial. Film, which I mean, that almost kind of reads more like a movie than a TV show. Mm-hmm. If you watch that with Gene Barry, um, I don't think it's on Netflix. I think it's on the DVDs. I think that's it at this point. Or mm. if you can occasionally catch I it, think I think I saw it on Amazon. I believe. Oh, Amazon has it too. Yeah. Oh, okay, uh, Amazon's instant thing. All right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just feels aside from Peter Falk kind of playing the character, it feels completely different. And he wasn't even their first choice. You know, they wanted Bing Crosby at one point. I think um, Uncle Billy at one point on stage had played Columbo right. uh, for, like, a stage production of Prescription Murder. And, yeah, they finally got to Columbo, and they thought he was going to be too young to play this thing. But it's one of those things where just, well, no, it turned out to be completely perfect. I mean, because you're talking about the fact that all the input he had into playing the character, all these things that have become iconic with it were just exactly right and exactly what they needed, and that's what everybody remembers about it. The suit, the car, the way he plays it, this putting the hand up randomly once mm-hmm. in a while, he's addressing the someone, pockets. the cigar, like, all of it. It's just, yeah, yeah Peter Falk just completely uh, took over that character and did it perfectly, and it was exactly what it needed. Yeah, There's two, there's two things about this episode that I, I love above everything else. One of them is it had been three years since Prescription Murder. That is a that's a significant gap. That yeah. was broadcast in sixty eight. This was seventy one, <clears throat> and it's still it's still fairly true to the uh, to each other. But it, this show hits the ground running. Oh yeah, in no, a way it's like you see him in this. this show does. You see him in this, and the, the way yeah. the show is kind of put together, and for the most part, it's exactly what the show ended up being. After this, I, it's like I, I oh, it's kind of, of fully formed coming out of the gate like that. I'm trying to think of like a dozen other TV shows that have done that, and that's it's really rare. Like Cheers, uh, 
I guess, really recently, Community, but very few. Night Rider, you know, it's. Uh, what was that? Night Rider, Rider, the classics. They all the uh, classic Night Rider. Yeah, but like <laughs> even even take a classic like Happy Days, which took a season to figure out its its pattern, and like lost characters on the way, uh, lost Richie's older brother. Uh, a moment changed, of silence for Chuck Cunningham. Chuck Cunningham changed relationships as it went on. Columbo is really just Columbo from 1971 up through 1990, whatever. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, and the amazing thing is you, you've and you've got a very young Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Uh, directing the first regular episode, which is amazing. So uh, your your thoughts on that and whether or not that that is actually very obvious or evident in watching this episode like this him doing it um well stevie spielberg uh, <laughs> or, or steve spellberg as it was <laughs> later on yes uh i was well i was paying uh when i rewatched for um this event tonight i was paying such close attention to the to the direction it's amazing oh and yeah you know, at really this is. point he was it ain't a tv know, show it's it's crazy yeah, I mean, all the those awesome camera angles and everything looks menacing. And, yes. You know, he's looking up at Jack, you know, Jack Cassidy, um, the the moonlit boat ride that, you know, um, when he's dumping the body. I right. mean, it's just, it's really, uh, it really is incredible to me, like the high level that it had. And I just want to talk to your point about right out of the gate. Like, yeah, you could put this episode, which is a really good episode, but you could put up against, like, put up against Catch Me If You Can with Ruth Gordon in season seven. And it would look like the same season. Like, yeah. it has not changed. And a lot of shows, yeah, right out of the gate, they have to do some tweaking. They, you know, they get audience research, whatever. You know, nobody's really going to hit it right out of the park except for this show. But another thing that the show had and all it had really is Peter Falk. You know, there's no supporting cast. You know, there's that one, you know, there's some people from the police station that show up every once in a while. But he was, you know, I think all his years with like Cassavetes, all his years like studio, um, you know, method acting, he had enough presence and enough personality to take the show, you know, from the get go. And just, you know, make that happen. And with Spielberg and Botchko and all these great guys behind the scenes. And then another thing that I really liked that they figured out immediately um, was that you couldn't put Peter Falk up against like a Jack Klugman or a Martin Balsam. You know, it had to be somebody totally opposite type. So what perfect first villain for Columbo than Jack Cassidy? Oh, jeez, that guy. Like, I mean, Oh, such a creep. <laughs> He's so um, good at playing a creep. So well. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a I'm a huge Jack Cassidy fan in and out of Columbo, and as much as I love Robert Culp and as much as I love Patrick McGowan, of the recurring killers, he's easily my favorite. Oh yeah, and it's because his that constant smile and that mm-hmm. very mean smirk, Ugh. and the fact that his Ugh. face looks like a rubber ventriloquist dummy from hell. <laughs> Just, yes. Oh man, there's that wonderful scene where he's having dinner later on in the episode. With uh, with the woman who's witnessed the murder, right? Mm-hmm. And there's some great camera direction where Spielberg has the cameras right up on their chins, 
Mm-hmm. So they, they just look like they're looming over your dying body. Yeah, there, there are so many <clears throat> very strange, uncomfortable, unsettling yeah. close-ups in this episode, which is and perfect he, for it. Yeah, He's chewing that. He's literally like grinding his teeth in that scene. Yeah. And it looks perfect. It looks like he just l- lifted his head from consuming you. <laughs> oh, God. Like if you were, if you woke up and found someone eating your heart, you would look up and be uh-huh. Jack Cassidy. <laughs> That's that's the least disturbing way to put that, John. Thank you. Now there's there's my nightmare fuel for this evening. Thanks. And speaking of that, I mean, also like the score, you know, just kind of yeah, the music was great. Yes, music and these houses. I mean, pretty much in all the Columbo villain houses, I want to live in these houses. Who are these people? Like Jack Cassidy, not even his vacation house, which I would I would also totally live in the house in san diego but his regular house with that's basically an art gallery yes oh my god yeah or even i'd live i'd live i I live in their office too (laughs) which actually that that opening like right from the start it's a shot that's close up on a car coming down coming down the street Mm -hmm. and it just keeps coming back and coming back and it's the same shot and then you've got martin milner at the typewriter right right there in the office like, it's just this really slow zoom out that's just so perfect. And you think, like, oh, the coordination to get that. that, that, that Spielberg was probably, what, in his, like, early 20s doing this? Oh, yeah. And they've yeah. got him just doing all this crazy stuff. And he's like, oh, we're, I just, I, I would, I don't know if he's ever given some sort of interview about doing this episode. He's like, got he's got a commentary track. Oh, he does? Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm not sure on which DVD, but I was reading trivia bits about it. Oh, on like some film he's done or actually on the Columbo DVDs? Let me find out for you. Because I've got the DVD set and if it's on there, I, oh, I, I should listen to yeah. that. I do, it has made me really want to watch Duel now because he went straight mm-hmm. from this episode to Duel. Oh, he did this before Duel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought he did yeah. it after. Oh, jeez. Well, because of this. I oh, think. gosh. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my God. I, uh, I'm even let's more see. impressed In now. an interview, according to IMDb Trivia, in an interview Always, always critic, true. Uh, right. Interview with film critic Judith Christ. Spielberg revealed that through his directorial efforts on this TV pilot, he went on to land a directorial role in, role in Duel. Oh, all right. Yeah. But, but I really do want to get what a good director he is. Like, that's what right. I really love about this episode. Because now, now you think of Spielberg and it's and I'm sorry, I got I kind of get over like his parental issues and the schlocky and um and this, he's like, he's just so talented. Right. Like he's really, he's more of an artistic director, yeah. I think, than he has been in, in future efforts. Right, well, this yeah. Is, this is perfect because this story has no room for nostalgia. It has no room for a sappy ending. There's no way to make a happy ending out of this. This has no room for, you know, children experiencing adult uh, uh, emotions and problems for the first time and then overwhelming them by working together. All well, of the tropes that you come to hate in Spielberg movies. Yeah, but I mean, but also he was, you know, this this guy directing something for a TV network, so it wasn't something where he had a lot of input on the story. Sure. So, I mean, yeah, of course it's not going to have that to where later on he can have that input and actually be putting the story together and all of that. So, yeah. Right. He's, he's still far from E.T. Right, yes. Which I think I'm pretty sure is his first like really schmaltzy one. Yeah. Well, you've never seen 1941, John, because that is one of the most heartwarming <laughs> films I have ever seen in my life. Boy, we've tried 41 like really recently too, like last year. Oh, really? 
Yeah. It's got things. It's, it's just it's loud. It's got its moments. Big, it's just big. trying really hard to be like a World War II animal house. Swinging yeah. for the fences, and yeah, some of it works, some of it does not work. Yeah, but yeah whatever. Um, well, anyway. Yes. Um, so, yeah, he went on to better things. <laughs> good training ground. <laughs> yes. No, it was a good training. I mean, but the thing is, like, you, you read about that so much where there are so many directors, uh, especially coming up in, like, the 19... 19- fifties uh, with live television and whatnot, who mm-hmm. they start out in TV and then went on to film, but it seems like Spielberg is one of the last one of those where they became these really huge legendary ones. Like I'm trying to think off the top of my head, I can't think of any other ones where you're like, oh, well, he started out just doing some TV stuff and then he became this huge, well, Jonathan, big director. Jonathan Demi. Well, that's right, Jonathan Demi. Well, yeah, yeah. but I, I think of him even starting more with like the Roger Corman. Is that being the origins? He did this one Columbo, that one Columbo episode, and then he went on to do more low budget indie stuff. Well, I know this because yeah. I just watched the uh, that Scientology um, documentary last. Oh night. yes. So um, Paul Haggis. Yeah. Who directed yeah. Crash? Remember, he was like that big Scientology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they had it. He started yeah, out, out now, on yeah. Facts of Life, which I didn't realize. Really. Yeah, he was, I did not know that. Wow, that is crazy. Maybe it happens more often than we than we realize. Oh, oh you, my god! Because it seems like the, you, you hear take, about the, you yeah. take the good, you take the bad, you take the <laughs> personality test to uh, figure out your engrams, and then you get clean. and then you have the facts of life. Because um, I mean, it seems like usually, like uh, throughout the nineties uh, and two thousands, there was always guys coming up from music videos as opposed to TV, right. and then they get like the deals directing things. So. Paul Haggis did Facts of Life. That is so crazy. I'm sure you can tell which episodes were his. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure. If the Scientologists started to be believed, I think it was on they've, the cover. They've got, of the, they've got the Haggis touch. Did you, uh, did you guys know that Michelle Gondry used to do ALF? <laughs> I could see that. It would yeah, be, actually, I kind of could, too. I'm yeah, sorry I said it. I'm not sure obvious. if it's in a good way or a bad way. Um... So I, the, the the structure of this episode, the idea of it, I think is interesting, also being like the first one of this series, where it is, and I think you brought this up in your uh, write-up of this in your, your list of Columbo episodes, where it is a mystery writing team mm-hmm. that splits up and there's a murder. So to me, that's kind of interesting that, yeah, this series created by uh, the, the two guys, they start that right off the bat with this. Yeah, yeah, they start off right with this. Right. I think it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, apparently, yeah, they uh, use the title of their first. I mean, one of the books is called Prescription Murder. Like right. It's, right. It gives her. Yeah, like, yeah. The store. Yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently, one of Cassidy's favorite jokes was to walk around the set and ask if he was playing Levinson or Link. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Am I murdering Levinson or Link? Oh, and, and actually, the murder too. Hmm. Um. It's it's a great. Uh, there's a great shot like a great just you wouldn't expect to see this in a TV show it seems like especially like some 1970s murder program um, so he kills him then his wife call then like the, the the guy's been murdered his wife calls Jack Cassidy is reassuring her like oh no it's fine no problem I'll get a hold of him and then there's this weird shot where Martin Milner's dead bodies in the background mm-hmm. his head back with the glasses on the couch and then you got Cassidy in the background just does this weird thing where he's got the drink and just kind of like toasts his dead partner. But this, the way the shot is composed is so uh, creepy and unsettling and very, yeah. very wonderful. Uh, yeah, I think I think you mean awesome. 
Yeah, well, awesome would be another word for it. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there's a there's a shot I love before that where uh, Cassidy's bringing the body out to the car, and you get a, a beautiful close up of the bumper sticker on the back reading "Have a nice day." Yes, <laughs> which I mean, yeah, because he's got this very expensive, very fancy <laughs> Mercedes Benz, and the only thing on it, yeah, is a bright uh, yellow and black "Have a nice day" bumper sticker. Which, uh, uh, just such a nice, weird, darkly uh, comic touch, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so, story wise, um, does it? Uh, does it? I mean, we agree it looks good. It's a great looking episode. It's a well acted episode. Cassidy mm-hmm. and Falk. Uh, story wise, uh, how, how do you guys feel about how it holds up and how it works? Story wise, it kind of takes a different turn in the middle, which is, I don't think, that indicative of most Columbo episodes because it's usually pretty straightforward and it's usually him like hacking away at um, the killer. The the fun game in my family when we were, when I was a kid was um, we would all ask each other, like, when do you think he knows? You know, oh, yes. Oh, know? good. Yeah. And then now we realize, like, he. He always knows. Like, he knows from, like, the first nanosecond, mm-hmm. probably. But, you know, he plays it off really well. Um, but the whole, like, uh, thing with the... Uh, I'm not remembering the woman's name, but the um, the woman who works at the store who's oh, Lily. up at the opera. Yeah, Lily yeah. shows up at the... You know, tracks him down and does the whole blackmailing. And they have the whole that totally weird date. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, that just kind of takes like a Columbo departure for me, which I don't think was really indicative of a lot of the shows. Mm-hmm. There, there was another thing, too, uh, towards the end that didn't feel like uh, that they did much in the, like after this. Um, when Columbo was at um, uh, Ferris's uh, house talking to Ferris's wife mm-hmm. and telling her straight out, I know it's him. I just I need some proof. I got to figure something out. Just tell me like he's laying out the entire case to this third party mm-hmm. and then having her just kind of go over again you know how Ferris and Franklin originally met and he sits there thinking and thinking and thinking about it and that kind of felt a bit different from uh, from the way they went about things after the two it just felt kind of strange and slightly off I mean it still was okay but it felt a little bit like eh, let's all right I'm kind of glad they didn't go to that after that too often so you don't see too yeah, because it's of usually just for the big surprise at the end when he comes right. in and it's like, I'm going to put up this giant slideshow and show you how I know. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of yeah. showing his hand. Alrighty. I love the scene, speaking of the two of them together, I love when, well, I always love how he shows up. You know, if he, is he like in the dunk tank? Is he behind the curtain? And in this one, you know, right. the wife is kind of freaking out. Oh, yes, that was gr- all of that was great, yes, yeah. And he just walks up, and he's so kind, and he mm-hmm. makes her an omelet. Um, right. And then he totally gets a giant piece of shell in the bowl, like he's obviously <laughs> not going to it. Um, but just that, you know, he, he knows that her husband's probably dead, and just immediately how he takes care of her. Right, it, yeah. As a way to introduce that character, like for all time, pretty much, that's a pretty astounding way to go. But then uh, what's also interesting about that scene, talking about how he's a, uh, a lousy co- a lousy cook. Mm-hmm. He's terrible, you know. Uh, the only thing he is to make his lamb. Given the, the episode we just talked about, which was the um, uh, Murder in Her Glass one, wow. where he's a wonderful cook. It just to me, I mean, you could either see it as, oh, it's like a continuity problem, or it's 
Columbo just doing that ingratiating thing mm-hmm. to kind of under, doing yeah to like kind of undercut himself just to put the other people at ease. He's doing it's the like best a, possible lie. Yes, that, I I think it's probably more yeah. of that. I don't know. Uh, I like that scene a lot too. Uh, Rosemary Forsyth, who plays the wife, mm-hmm. is doing a great job. Oh, she's great in this. She's yeah, really she's, good in this. She's yeah, yeah. freaking out in front of the cops. I'm sure a lot of this is Bochco's script. I'm sure a lot of this is Spielberg's direction. You don't usually see on murder shows in general, but on Columbo, the wife or the husband being completely broken up like that. Mm-hmm. And she was she was talking about how I feel stupid. I don't know what I'm saying. And then she goes in the hallway and she gets sort of adopted by Columbo. And she does a great job of slowly, while resisting his charm, uh, warming up to him. And actually, she makes some some joke about, I better do my half and go make the coffee. Mm-hmm. After trying to get him out of the house repeatedly, she just surrenders to his friendliness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Which is yeah. a wonderful scene. Mm-hmm. Well, she's only human. I mean, nobody can yeah. Can resist uh, Peter Falk, make it the omelet. Sexy Dad Peter Falk is in uh, there. That's the third one in a row you brought up, Sexy Dad Peter Falk. <laughs> I can't oh, help. I think, Columbo is a, I think Columbo and Peter Falk in general, Sexy Dad. I don't know. Why is it Sexy Dad? Oh, my Where goodness. does that come from? I, it's a, thing, it's a John, John Morris patented theory of uh, Sexy Dad Columbo. Sexy go ahead, Dads and Night Goliaths tripping through my imagination. Go, go ahead, John. Explain okay. the Sexy Dad thing a little bit he's he's merely just a really avuncular protective kind of fella but mm-hmm. he's also super charming he's very easy with the ladies he's not he's not above winking and flirting a little bit mm-hmm. uh, he's just got sexy dad vibes going on <laughs> or he's yeah. just a nice guy super nice guy and super nice sexy dad all right sexy dad good lord <laughs> Now, uh, th- uh, speaking of the things I do, I think one of my my other thing, the other services I provide on the podcast, is to maintain a running tally of the horrible deaths of some of the performers. Oh, okay. Uh, as we know, Jack Cassidy uh, died on died drunk on a flaming Nagahide couch. Right. There's some really bad ones on this one for yep. sure. Yeah, um, and Barbara Colby, who played the witness Lily Lasenka, murdered at age thirty six. Oh my God! What? She yeah. was in a parking oh. garage with her boyfriend. Uh, they were both shot. Uh, there's no motive for the killing, as far as anyone's aware. The boyfriend lived long enough to describe the killers in the event, and no one really knows why oh it my happened. God, she she had just gotten a. She was in the second banana roll on Phyllis. Mm-hmm. Oh, Nicholas really? Beachman sitcom, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she was actually doing a lot of guest shots. Her career was really taken off. Oh, she had been in California Split, I think, the year earlier. Oh, jeez. And uh, was just murdered out of nowhere like that. Wow. So there's two terrible deaths. Well, that's great. Yeah. I'm hoping at least Martin Milner lived to a nice... uh, Martin Milner, I think, is still alive. What? Really? Oh, that's great. Because he's in one of my... my, Actually, it might be my favorite film of all time. And what is that? Uh, Sweet Smell of Success. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, he's uh, Steve uh, Dallas. Yeah, Steve he, Dallas, uh, the, uh, the guitar player, the jazz uh, guitar player. I thought you were going to say Valley of the Dolls. <laughs> <laughs> That's number two. I, uh, okay. He uh, he was recently on uh, Law & Order, I believe. Really? Wow. Yes, playing, i got to look that up. Holy crap. I think, so. I think he was on Law & Order. Oh, I that's wonderful. Good for him. Martin Milner, Law & Order. I am wrong. Ah, <laughs> oh, thanks, John. 
He was, however, on The Littlest Hobo, oh, the good. Canadian show about a German shepherd we talked about last week. Okay. Well, yeah, of course. So it's a Sexy Dead Columbo and The Littlest Hobo are going to be the themes for 2015 on the podcast. <laughs> that's, that's great. That's good to know. Um, I uh, think uh, I, I have a feeling I might have been confusing him with... Um, uh, Richard Belzer, uh, of course. No, Kevin, easy. Kevin Teague. Oh, you know what? I could see that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was oh, out yeah. Of twelve to emergency. I do that quite often. Yeah, that's 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 actually. Yeah, they are kind of similar looking, ain't they? All right, that's fine. And he was uh, it was Kevin Teague who was on Law and Order. Okay. Oh, there we go. Um, Research I should do before the show. Thanks, John. <laughs> Fired. Um, oh, uh, Colombo traditions and things that became uh, long standing. He's got the car in this, but they don't really draw a lot of attention to the car in this, which I thought was interesting. Like, I thought from the start, it was like, oh, it's this crazy car. Like, no, he just drives it, and that's it. You barely see it that much in this episode. Yeah, he just drives it up to the lawn when they find the body, right? Yeah. Oh, God, that. So that's a weird part of this guy's plan. I'll just (laughs) dump the guy's body on my own lawn in order to drive the suspicion away. That is a really weird (laughs) way to play that. Yeah, you can tell he probably he wasn't the brains of the operation for sure. Which like, I mean, that, that's brought up at the end, but yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, oh his God. his whole his whole plan the the piece of paper with the names of the um, gangsters on it. Oh right, yes. Martin Milliner was right. supposedly investigating to you know blame them, blame it on a contract killer. Um, but but it was folded incorrectly. Right, I, is, I've watched this yeah. episode so many times that I remember for a time um, watching it when there was call waiting or call caller ID. Mm-hmm. So thinking like, oh, there's no way this crime would work now because there would be caller ID and he, and <laughs> right. where he was calling from. And now yeah. it's come all the way back around like, oh, you could use a cell phone. Right. Work. Although yep. cell phone records can also trap you as Columbo found out in Butterflies in Shades of Grey with William Shatner. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that whole <laughs> one yet. I haven't seen that one. I got it. Yeah. What? I haven't seen it yet. We'll watch it for it. I haven't you seen it. You want to see some scenery? We're, we're, oh, I know. I, I've, I've seen like I saw a little bit of it. And I thought, you know what? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna save myself for when we're actually doing this episode. <laughs> then I'll see that one. Yeah, there's a get some radio person on here to do that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the whole plan is kind of. Um, it's kind of half baked, but even for I love how Columbo, you know, gives him props at the end. Like Ken, you had me going in such circles, I couldn't figure it out. Right. Um, right. You know, and all Jack Cassidy wants to hear is like, "I almost had you, right?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, no, I was, I was going." But you know, <laughs> right? That might just be another convenient, another friendly yeah. lie. Well, that, that was the thing too. I liked in this because um, yeah, you brought up the the uh, uh, list of mafia stuff and his stupid theory with that. This was like the perfect example of I, I love it when the murderer tries doing the, well, here's what I think happened. I think it maybe right. went this way yeah. and try to get him down the road. And and Falk is so great at playing the whole thing, like humoring them. Mm-hmm. Being a little bit, oh, maybe you're right. Oh, I never thought of that. Like just, mm-hmm. it, it's a little bit condescending, but it's just for some reason it always seems to work with the uh, the idiot killer. Like they always seem to buy it because they're so desperate probably. Well, because they're always really arrogant, and I think that was yes. part of the whole makeup of the show. It's like, it's just so fun. Who doesn't want to see, like, rich people go down? Like oh, yeah, that? no, no. Yeah, and this one, that that's a great, like, yeah, that, that's a good point, actually. I didn't think about that, the, the the class thing from the start. You've got this really 
rich guy who wants to hang on to that to the point where he kills his partner to get the insurance money and not and keep the royalties coming in and everything else. And yeah, he's just very, very, Oh, well I know it was a scene where, um, uh, Columbo shows up at his cabin mm-hmm. and Columbo is accusing thing. Oh, I was just down here. I was thinking maybe I would come here next summer. Right. And Cassidy is such right. a jerk, but like, I don't think you could afford it on your mm-hmm. salary. Just being such a stupid elitist dick about it. Which is, yeah. You know, the Which, thing about the murder plan that sticks with me, because there are, there's, again, too many moving parts. But mm-hmm. the, the yeah. thing that screwed him up was he had to call uh, Joanna Ferris, call Ferris's wife from the the store with the infatuated clerk. Yes. Because he couldn't call her from the cabin because he had to have Jim Ferris call his wife from the cabin to pretend to be at the office. And that appeared to be part of like how he worked out his plan. If he had just had Ferris call his wife from the office before they left. That would have been done it, yeah. Fine. And then he could have just gone straight to the cabin. And I think he suggests from the that. Cabin. I think he's just that he he says something about calling her when they're at the yeah, office. He's like, why did you just do it there? But yeah, yeah. But she does. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that would have, and then it would have been an unsolvable mystery. Ta da! Yeah, and the show would have ended after that one episode. Wait, you're saying? But when, <laughs> would he, when would he have shot him then, though? Oh, I still would have taken him up to the he cabin. Still, still would have taken him to the cabin. Yeah, right. Shot him. Called the wife. Said, uh, "I just wanted to let you know everything's really working out." And she said, "Oh, I just heard from so and so. I heard from Jim." And like, okay, groovy. Well, I'm up here at the cabin. You know, just really make it because like he even like sets up a reverse alibi for himself. He sets up the alibi of being at the cabin. That's great. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but when he's on the phone with the wife, he tells her, "Oh yeah, I swung by to see Jim earlier. I was at the office earlier." Well, like, okay, you were at the office around the time that Jim was murdered. Okay, cool. Yeah, but he she has to hear the gunshot though. Oh, that's, oh, that's true. Okay. She has to yeah. hear it on the and and if it was at the office, like they would go right to the office, there would be no way to get the body away. Right, 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 right. I'll I'll give him props for that part of the. Plan. Okay, that's that. That's a, he could he also could have cleared off that. But yeah, but he should not have left full of the books. guy in the car where the clerk could could. Yeah, right. See, she was right. obviously nosy, and he leaves her to go in the back and make a phone call. Of course, she's going to leave. Right. Oh, well, then I'm going to here's what I here's what I'm going to say. Okay, he should. He should chance. have called the wife from the. He should have called the wife from the office when he went back up to wreck the place. Oh, oh, maybe that would have been there. You go. And then he could have gone back down to the car. Said sorry, it took me a long time to that's find right, my wife. He had plenty of time to do that. Oh, you know, right? Plus, like, I had to wreck your office. You know. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, then yeah. Uh, he could have stayed way, with do him. Hitmen often. Do hitmen often wreck offices when they kill somebody? <laughs> oh, they were looking for the evidence. Of his investigation, uh, yeah, into I would criminal look, at, look in a drawer. Why would it be like? That's it's certainly, true. it's maybe it's under this glass alligator head. Throw that off the table. <laughs> right, but they couldn't find it. But Jack Cassidy could just reach into that drawer and find it because he's just that good. Yeah. Oh, incredible! Amazing. Let, let him right there. Yeah, I th- Columbo must just laugh to himself at night sometimes, or tell his wife and be like, "Can you believe this guy?" Oh yeah, definitely. He's got a lot of good stories. <laughs> Well, that's the only thing is that when Cassidy shows shows him the list of names, and you know Columbo's staring at it, he goes, "Don't you recognize them? They're the heads of West Coast crime." And Columbo goes, "Oh yeah, yeah." 
because <laughs> a list of West Coast crime heads doesn't reveal anything. Right. right. It could be anything. Right. The police are like, yeah, you're right. These sure are the list of the West Coast crime lords. Right. So that's why Columbo's like waiting for him. Like, okay, what? what uh, tell me what this means. Mm. Tell me your stupid <laughs> thing. All right. Okay. Because by that point, he obviously knew it was probably him. It was like 90% yeah. sure it was going to be that jerk. Right. Well, yeah. if you watch enough Columbo's like I do, I mean, it's always the guy who's trying to steer you into something. Oh, of course it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For obvious. And he, he had him like from basic stuff like the uh, the going through the mail uh, while he's yes, waiting on the phone. Was thing. That was a wonderful thing. Right. Um, I was I, in I, shock. I had to open my phone bill. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I, I I want to leak the uh, speaking of the um, earlier uh, the blackmailer, the uh, the widow who owned the store near the cabin. Mm-hmm. I like how right away she had a very very specific figure for her blackmail: fifteen thousand dollars. Like she had it right there. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. how much would that be worth? Oh, fifteen thousand. Like I was expecting almost like a exact. Yeah, it's like, oh, I don't know, maybe twenty thirty. Like no, she had exactly fifteen thousand dollars. Was what she wanted to get the guy for. I'm wondering for what, but okay, sure. Yeah, I was expecting that was going to be a mortgage payment on something, or mm. she had a dream home she wanted to buy. Yeah, there was never an explanation for it. She just wanted 15 grand. Yeah. <laughs> well, 15, it would have been more sympathetic. And, right? and a lovely fancy dinner of ice and strawberries. Mm. <laughs> a giant bowl of ice with strawberries, the fanciest restaurant in Los Angeles. Yeah, she also had a Jack Cassidy on a platter. Like, oh my god, she's in luck. I think that's the only way he does it. What? <laughs> hey, oh, on, a, on a platter or on a crucifix? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> on a plate of bond snacks. Oh, he's not that. mustached in this one, is he? And he is in um. He oh is right. In yes, that's right. Yep. I'm trying to think. Um, Publisher Parish. I think he has a mustache too. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty oh, sure he does. Yeah, oh, man, I can't wait to get that one. Yeah, so in her giant hat. Yes, that's all I remember. That that crazy crazy lunch scene. But the weird but, thing is, like that one, it, it's he does. Jack has his three episodes. Two of them involve murdering authors, <laughs> right? Which just seems like a weird thing. Well, maybe you give him a script that doesn't involve, also involve a mystery writer being killed. All yeah, right, they, sure. They bring in like a legit mystery writer to kill too. Yes, no, it's Mickey Splain in there. Yeah, which is <laughs> nuts. Crazy. Yeah, crazy gift. Ah. Nice. Columbo gets really meta after a while. Um, <laughs> what's the thing? Oh yeah. yeah well, remember, of course, one of his one of his other uh, murder murders he caught was a television detective. That's true. So when yeah. he gets three hours, yeah, yeah. Um. Oh, so uh, she. So the Lily, the uh, the widow, the widow Lily, uh, gets the fifteen grand, sort of temporarily, briefly. Mm-hmm. And uh, she also gets uh, dinner with Jack Cassie alone in her house. That murder scene with her mm-hmm. is amazing so the way good. it looks. Mm-hmm. Just the uh, shot. I mean, I, I think there's like two or three different setups for shots for the actual dinner they're having. Mm-hmm. Close ups, weird foreground action, something like this camera's like way up near the ceiling for a couple of shots. So then when he's actually going to kill her, the camera is just down there at the level of the bottle, like the uh, bottle as he's swinging it in his hand, like going slowly right. to the kitchen, just building up and building up. It, it, it's such a great uh, murder, mystery, creepy scene thing. I like that quite a bit. That's the best way I could say it, I guess. Um, yeah. Well, and she doesn't got, even scream. She just opens her mouth. Yes. And it, oh. it makes it 
It makes yeah. it better. Oh, it's worse. Yeah, it's, it's like a Hitchcock thing almost, doing yeah. it that way. It's like, oh, my God. I just love that Cassidy's whole face is working. Whenever you see him mm-hmm. sneaking up on her, just everything. is He's smiling. He's grinning. He's got a little evil Oh, yeah, the eyes going are just going, yeah. Eyes. He's just dastardly. And what's amazing about oh, him Oh, that's a perfect word this, for it. Yes, dastardly. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. He needs a mustache to twirl. I kind of missed that. <laughs> yes. But before this, he was, you know, remember, he was almost Ted Baxter on the Mary Tyler Moore show. Like, oh, I forgot about that. Yes. He swung from this kind of role to like the really goofy, like good looking, clueless guy um, in a early, like sexy sitcom with uh, Richard Benjamin and Paula. Oh, yeah. He, Apprentice. And, he and she. He and she. Yeah. He was like the oh, he was this, uh, oh. TV star that they wrote for. And he like, you know, stood like arms akimbo a lot in crazy costumes. Um, and you know, I, actually, I like, love him goofy. in that show. What? I love him in that show. Yeah. They've got all the episodes on YouTube. Oh, they do. Oh, I should look that up. All right. I think I do want to go back on some of his earlier career. So, I mean, uh, he's a, he's a working actor throughout the sixties. So he's on all the usual shows. He's in a really good episode of I spy. Uh, he's on get smart. He's on that girl. Uh, he's according to IMDb. He's on the girl from Uncle. I really want to see all of these, just to see like what his range was before they they pegged him on that recurring murderer thing on Columbo. Right. Well, and he was a stage guy. I mean, I think that's where he met Shirley Jones. He was a a stage actor. Like he was in musicals, yeah. and um, yeah, and then got drafted into this Columbo villain of the week thing. So here's a really weird thing I'm seeing on, on Jack Cassidy's IMDb. I was always under the impression that Jim Backus did the voice of Mr. Magoo. Yeah, I thought but he did But according also. to this, it's Jack Cassidy. What? No, no. That, that's, uh, I don't know if that's right. No, he's, yeah? look, he's, look at the credit. He's Bob Cratchit on Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol. He's not oh, okay. Scrooge. Magoo does Scrooge. Okay, there we go. But I think he did do some like voiceover work because he did have just such a wonderful melodious voice and i actually haven't read like i know shirley jones autobiography is supposed to be really scandalous did you guys hear anything about that no i hadn't he like he wanted threesomes he was trying to get her to do like just be more adventurous he also i think was having it's really sad he was having severe mental oh i knew knew about that yeah like he was becoming bipolar and um you know and then poor david was left with um his first wife, when he left his first wife for Shirley Jones, and then he had like three more boys, and um, and pro- I really I think like the Partridge family helped mend that rift because then he and Shirley Jones, you know, he had to work with his stepmother. Um, but I think there was, you know, they all have those that pinky ring that he wears in this episode. Yeah, I know this because. Again, old. I loved Sean Cassidy. <laughs> I had a poster in my room. Um, all the boys had a <laughs> pinky ring that's just like that. He oh. The Cassidy like family crest insignia, and then sadly when he died, that was one of the ways that they identified him was from that pinky ring. Oh my gosh! Oh, but like oh, you can find like if you look in like Teen Beat or Tiger Beat in the seventies, because why wouldn't you with all your downtime? Oh um, sure, of course. <laughs> if there's David Cassidy or Sean Cassidy pinups, they uh, they all are wearing that ring. Oh weird! I had no idea. Hmm. So I know way too much about the Cassidys, I think. I've no, no, it's fine. I think you could say that. 
It's okay. <laughs> That's fine. I've uh, I've certainly got a lot of comic books from the 1970s that have the Sean Cassidy poster promotion in it, so mm-hmm. I'm off to look. <laughs> So that was a family with a lot of magnetism, right? Because you've got yeah. oh, no, yeah, you know, yeah. Jack Cassidy and then like David ruled um, the early parts of the 70s. And then his brother, his half brother comes in and takes over. And I think Sean's still working like behind the scenes in TV. And I think David just got a DUI, but he's still trying to like. <laughs> oh, David. shows. I know. Um, this is this is terrific how much you know about the Cassidy clan. Is it? Cause it you, or sad? No, no, it's fine. It fills in a lot of blanks. This is a podcast about a 40-year-old television Murder show. show. It's like, Nothing I is think sad. we're okay. Yeah. I think we're all right somehow. I, I, got, a, I got a million of them. We'll no, make it through. Got, but, uh, yeah, so for, um, but Jack Cassidy did have this really interesting career. But, but oh, so I know what it was. So he, he almost, he didn't want to do Ted Baxter on Mary Tyler Moore show because I think he was tired of being goofy and he wanted to try to be mm-hmm. more serious. Um, like being a magician murder is more serious, but whatever. And then, um, but then they had him come back um, to be Ted Baxter's brother on Mary Tyler Moore, which is perfect. Oh, I haven't yeah, seen that one. I think he's like the more successful, you know, of course he would be like the flashier, more successful brother on, t- on Mary Tyler Moore. But, um, you know, he, he had a lot of talent. It's a sad story. What happened to him? I, I am writing down so many things now to look up on YouTube. He and right. she... Ted, Ted, him is Ted uh, Baxter's brother. I gotta look this stuff up now. I've not seen most of this. Oh man, if we can find Mary Tyler Moore on YouTube, I'm set because that that's not on any of the streaming services. No, last time I saw that, I think that uh, MeTV channel was running it um, mm. like once one night a week uh, for a while last summer, and that's pretty much it. Nobody's running that show anymore, <laughs> which is weird. I just want to give a shout out to my favorite Jack Cassidy role, which of course is. Uh, cynical reporter and rival for Lois Lane's affections, Max Mencken, in the Superman musical. Oh, jeez. Wow. Uh, he's Good got Lord. some of the best songs, though. It's okay. No doubt. I'll have to take your word for it, John. Yeah. Nonsense. I'm sending you CDs. When I come over no, I, I think, I think with I've that got VHS the... tape of Conan. Yeah, no, I think I, I actually might have that CD someplace. I bought it cheap as like, ah, oh, this will be fun to listen to sometime. I listen to like, the first thing, like, I know. So I've got it. I just have chosen not to uh, listen to it. The the Superman songs are terrible. I'll warn you in advance. Oh, really? Because I would have guessed they'd be great. No. Nope. Not one. All right. Yeah. Um, Linda Lavin has a great one. But anyway. Linda Lavin. TV's Alice? TV's Alice. Yeah, she plays a, uh, she plays a saucy secretary who sees potential in Clark Kent, if only she can fix him. Of course. And she's, she's got a great song called You've Got Possibilities. Oh my god. Oh, this is the episode where we just talk a lot about 70s television and odd 70s pop culture <laughs> stuff. I mean, it oh, makes yeah. sense because of the thing, but oh boy. Superman musical. What was that even? Was that, was that in the 60s or the 70s that came out? That was the late 60s, I think. Late 60s, okay. See, I've never heard of the Superman musical. 60s, so 60s. I, we're all learning, I think. Oh, good. Important. That's the important it's, thing. It's called, it's honestly called It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman. It's called that? That's the Which, title? That's thing? a long title. That's yeah. a long title. I'm sure it's a long show. <laughs> it is. It's not, by me, by no means take my interest in it as an endorsement, because it's not very good. Oh, okay. Well, there we but go. I find a lot of stuff in there to enjoy. All right. Um, oh, I, one thing I thought was fun. Um, 
So when Colum- after the uh, uh, the widow Lily is murdered, Columbo drives up there to the cabin, mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, the sheriff's deputy is like, oh, "Oh, just go on in," and he goes in. No one pays him any mind because the sheriff, presumably, <laughs> he's busy just talking and talking to the reporters. Columbo's just going around and finding more evidence mm-hmm. in like the thirty seconds when nobody's paying attention. Then this. Sheriff and his entire crew have probably found in hours of just searching and searching her little shop, which I thought was a really, really he's nice almost illustration. He's almost literally combing evidence out of his hair, just like a little bit. I mean, every he stops, time he, he, he moves, stops, something falls into his view. Even stops, grabs some candy beans out of a jar yep. from the shop. And then he just like goes there like, oh, oh, here's the book. Oh, here's the thing. Oh, here's a phone in here. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> he's putting it all together right there while there's like, well, I don't know if we're ever going to find out. It's probably snacks. And she got drunk, got in a boat. That's completely, yeah. <laughs> but I thought, I thought it was a nice, nice illustration of just being quiet and in the background and just doing the work and just grinding it out and just uh, being Columbo pretty much. Yeah. Well, that's how he does it. I mean, that's one thing I really appreciate about prescription murder. The first pilot is when he sits down with the psychiatrist and they're talking about, um, you know, your your random killer. And, you know, Columbo says, you know, that person is probably only doing this one time. And I do this every day. You know, he's methodical. He's good at the police work. He gets the work done. He stays up all night. What I mean? He, what's that one where he catches his boss, a friend in need? He rents an apartment. Um, The one that he directed at the end of the first season where, uh, you know, with the architect. Oh, I haven't seen that one yet. Yes. I've heard good things though. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, he like stays up all night. Does he, does he figure out the murder? (laughs) Ah, great. I don't need to. Um, See that one. It's a good one. And talk about cool direction. And then the only time that he did that. But yeah, you're just constantly Columbo. He's just never going to stop. He's so dogged, you know, and that's like with Jack Cassidy, you know, I'm beginning to like you because he's just, you have to, he's always going to be around. Right. You better yes. do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, but the like, way that they play off of each other is just so, so brilliant. Like we were saying where he's being like that kind of condescending, like, you know, Oh, Mrs. Melville would have figured this out in five minutes. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's just, yeah. He's like, Oh, I'm starting he's to like how she does things. Mrs. Melville too. He's like, Oh, I'm starting to, I'm re- reading your books. I'm starting to like it. She uses the logic to figure things out. It's amazing. And he gets it's, a stack of like yes. 20 books. Yeah. And then all the, the scene where he brings him, uh, back to Cassidy's house and interrupts that, uh, that stupid interview he's giving uh, where he's, where he's oh, hitting yeah. out a report. And he's like, Oh, I don't know that I'll ever write again. It would be a dishonor to do that. And Columbo just kind of comes in with this huge stack of books, the trench, the stained trench coat, everything. He's like, oh, I'll just put these down someplace. And it gets to the point where Cassidy's leaving is pretty much going to leave Columbo in his house. Mm. He just goes out the front door like, yeah, he's just going to leave Columbo there just to get away from him. Which well, I he had, was... no, he has to go to San Diego to rest, you know, from what? I don't know. Another rest for Jack Cassidy. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. He was going down there to knock off the widow. But um, yeah, just. Ba- the babes in this show, they cannot get enough of him. The honey at the at the theater with him. Oh, right. Oh, but God, he's such a he's such a jerk. Like they're they're seeing like, yeah, the, he play. Hates the play. He comes to plays like, oh, well, I, had, I had to figure it out by the first part of the first act. He's that kind of asshole that you would go to see a movie with. Probably I was like, oh, I know how this is going to end. As you're I don't sitting think there. he's wearing an ascot, but he really should be wearing. An oh, ascot. he wears that. He wears he wears quite a few ascots in this thing. I actually wrote that down. The guy likes ascots. <laughs> he's wearing ascots in more scenes than he's not in this in this episode. 
which is such a nice touch to make you more of like a jerk somehow. It just, yeah. Oh, the thing with the ladies too. Um, cause I think he just got in the cabin as he's taking Martin Milner there. He says like, Oh, well you're the first male guest I've had here. He's right. bragging about it. It's like, Oh God. That is that is such an uncomfortable drive too because it's like an, what, an hour and a half, isn't it, or three hours or something to get uh, to the cabin? And the whole time I'm thinking, oh, he's he's driving his his newly estranged partner to his sex cabin to yeah. kill you, him. What do you talk to about on that him. trip? You you really are making Colombo tawdry just a little from bit. the themes that you're throwing in here. <laughs> a little bit. I, I had not gone there. Sex, had, sex, dad. Not. Sex can we cabin? not? Can we somehow deny that it's a sex cabin? It's it's a sex cabin. Well, I, there was a, there was a thing in the Mrs. Colombo episode we covered where it was bringing up like, oh, I, I think you brought up the sex room or sex night or whatever. <laughs> John, we gotta <laughs> we we have to have a talk about the about the program. There's a lot of sex locations in the world. I'm just kidding. <laughs> noticing them. Are you pointing them out? Well, you might have something there, because when they get there, remember, like, Martin Milner isn't going to drink anymore for some reason. Like, they're there, and he's like, will you call your wife so we can start enjoying ourselves? It's like, what are you, what are you going to do? I mean, you're going to kill him, but I don't know what your plan is. And, and the, the couch. Fishing, I believe. And the, the yeah, drunk you fishing. Scrabble. I don't and, know what the And the, the, the couch is covered in plastic, which that should have been some sort of alarm there. Yeah. It's like, oh, you want me to sit in this one piece of furniture in the entire uh, living room that's covered in clear plastic? Okay. And I'm not turning around while you're on your call. I I could be doing anything over here. Well, but, that's, <laughs> but it's also a great uh, throwback to how the whole show begins, right? Oh, that Martin opens the office door and Jack Assey points the gun at him. And he's like, bullshit, you know, you don't have gloves. You're, the gun's empty. And then he points the gun at him and he's wearing gloves. Gloves, yes. Yes, exactly. Um, it's like, it. that was really nicely. And, and Spielberg... Right. You know, shoots it in a very similar way. Mm -hmm. It's a nice throwback. Yeah, it was very good. So this episode, even uh, well, we'll go around and we'll get everyone's kind of estimation of it: uh, good, bad, or like eh, it's all right. Uh, Gwen, you go first. Wow, does anybody ever say eh? Um, well, you never. I, I like leaving. I, I think I know what the answer is going to be for everybody here, but it's good to leave the option open just in case. Uh, you know, we hit a Dabney Coleman episode again. Huh. All right, so I'm trying to think, like, what are the meh? Like, for me, the meh Columbo episodes, any of them are probably the ones after the 70s, like the TV movies that came back and the ABC ones. and Yeah, some of those are kind of, it's a little, like, uh, it gets a little shaky up around there. Right. So, I mean, are there some from the 70s that you guys are, I'm just curious, like the ones that you're not as. Um, well, I, I like we said earlier, the uh, Bye Bye Sky High IQ one. I, I I just can't. I don't know. I just it just didn't it didn't work for me for some reason. I don't know it all, why. It, it all depends on a magic marker. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm super cold on the one with uh, Robbie the robot. Really? Wow. See, yeah, I like that one. I know, I but I like it. The robot. Just, you're you're mad about robots. But that's okay. I mean, that means you're better uh, situated when the robot uh, war happens. You'll you'll be uh, better. Now, if it came to not trust them, bot, maybe maybe. But no, I just, I'm not into the, the robot thing really throws me out every time. The robot and then a child genius. And I was like, ah. That's Stevie Spielberg, right? Yes, yes, Stevie that's, 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 that's Stevie Spielberg. <laughs> I, I don't love the Scotland Yard one. I think that's the one. 
Oh yes, uh, oh, with the, the, the Irish one too. Yeah, I don't like yeah, oh, yeah. oh yeah, there's the Irish one. I haven't seen all of that, uh, but yeah, I haven't seen that one. That's uh, the, the one last. Was... That's the last NBC mystery movie one, isn't it? Oh, is it? Or is that oh, the I last think, ABC no, I think one? you're right. No, no, I think you're right. That is the last. That's the last uh, '70s one. Uh, it's not a. Str- it's not a strong out. It's not a strong out. Uh, the one with Hector Elizondo, I'm not a giant fan of. Hmm. I think. Um, that's it. I mean. It's one of those things where I, I was actually thinking about this earlier today. Where even, even I mean, it's there. There have been people who have not been a fan of this program, uh, I mean the podcast, because mm. like, oh, they don't like every single one unreservedly. It's like that's to me that's okay because I mean it's like it's a good show overall, and sometimes mm. eh, yeah, it wasn't as good. I, but that's all right. I don't to look at I it. Don't did, trust a, I don't trust a person who thinks that every weed is an orchid. You know. You have to be able to differentiate between well, them. Well, there, I think we're uh, going to have problems, John, because I do believe weeds are orchids. Because <laughs> I just can't differentiate between plants at all. It's this family condition. That That's I that just, thing that happened to your eye, right? Yeah, I, I see everything. It's like every, like, it might as well be an orchid. It just is a green blob. Mm-hmm. Every single plant. It's strange. I have to uh-huh. deal with it all the time. Vegetables are a problem for me, eating them. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that's fair. Okay, I was just curious, because usually... You know, and I'm really slanted now because if I'm going to sit down and watch Columbo, I'm going to watch Ruth Gordon or John mm. Cassavetes or Dick Van Dyke. Like, I'm not going to watch something that I'm not, you know, that maybe like the Donald Pleasance or somebody I don't find like as um, interesting. Which is fine. fine. That's understandable. It's like, you know, you don't have a lot of time on this earth, everybody. It's like you should spend it doing, watching the things that you enjoy. I suppose, like, well, I've got to be completist and do every single one of them again. It's like, eh, right. it's okay. It's fine. Just go right to the Janet Lee. It's okay. There you go. It's no problem. We're, we're trying to raise our kids believing that Columbo is, you know, the greatest detective of all time. And for this for this thing tonight, I was getting ready to watch. My like, kids are going to watch Columbo. And they're like, oh, no, Columbo. <laughs> Columbo's boring, and my husband were like, get out. Like, if you can't fight <laughs> by Columbo in this house. You're going to college now. Go get a job. Columbo rules, and the sooner you learn that, the better off you'll be. So we're working on it. Okay. But, yeah, we would probably go with the... There'll be no resentment the Rodney at McDowell all. getting blown up on the... Uh, there's a lot of good ones with the cigar box and the... Yeah. Oof. The tram that he has to go over. Except for his your, uh, frightening your pants. your episode, too, right? Oh, jeez. His, his frightening <laughs> pants. With his enormously tight pants. Cut. Like oh, you should Lord. make sexy Columbo and <laughs> find all, your, all those scenes that you like. Because I don't think anybody's really ever done that. It it will be a completely separate project apart from this podcast, <laughs> I assure you. It will be a John yeah. Moore solo project, 100% no, no, Archie, we'll do completely. over there with that VHS copy of Conan and the CD of It's a Bird, It's a Planet Superman. <laughs> I'll, I'll be crouched uh, by a window, like not answering the door. <laughs> like oh well, he flew all the way here from uh but he flew all the way here from from uh, seattle like, shh we're not home <laughs> get, that, get that cat out of the window no but uh but gwen so this episode though yes. how would you how would you rate this one specifically i would rate this uh i would i would definitely rate this an a like it yeah. for just to be the first episode and i did not know that it was three years since prescription murder so to be able to craft this just out of the gate to me with, with Cassidy, with, with Falk doing such wonderful work. Um, again, I go back to like his, his 
history with John Cassavetes and how he was creating this character. And I, like I said, I read in his autobiography, like how important it was to him that Columbo was always compassionate, even to the people that he was investigating. I mean, you guys said you did Murder Under Under Glass last mm-hmm. week. Yes. Mm-hmm. Louis Jordan likes like, you know, I don't really like you. Right. And even Columbo at that point is like, yeah, you know. I feel the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I got to respect your talent. Like he still right. is being a nice person. Um, and I think that's what makes it so compelling to like for him, this nice, humble man. He introduces himself to the widow as just like, I'm just another cop. Yes. Oh, it's that's such a, I mean, that is a wonderful, like if you hadn't seen, if you're someone uh, watching television back in 1971, you see all oh, the new shows on and you hadn't seen Prescription Murder, you hadn't seen the, uh, the other one in between the two. He's like, oh, it's your very first time seeing the character, and he just comes on, and that's his first line, pretty much. Like, oh, I'm just another cop. Mm-hmm. It's like that. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to introduce the guy, and just kind of encapsulates everything that comes after. I think. Yeah, definitely. In fact, you're making me think of like a possible great, you know, AV club. We do these inventories. We're always thinking of like perfect lists. And oh, that'd be like, like first introduction to some character. Like best introduction, best. Best pilot, like best introductory episode. Oh, I, I that would be a good, good one, yeah. I, and I think you'd hard, be hard to find another one this good. Oh, yeah, that's, no, it's, it's, it's great. That's my call. Uh, John? Uh, nine and a half sex cabins. Utterly. <laughs> Actually, I may as well rate this one ten sex cabins. I'm very fond of this episode. Beautifully directed, beautifully written. Amazing character stuff throughout. Uh, and then Jack Cassidy, my favorite killer. Yeah, uh, 100% loved it. Uh, I'm going to rate this one uh, 15 Robbie the Robots. Uh, because, uh, uh, no, I mean, it's, it's yeah. It's, is that good? I can't tell. I have no idea. Yeah. Yes, it's good. I was mostly trying to just annoy John, um, which is always good. Um, but, yeah, no, this this is a great episode. I mean, you could put this one in the middle of the 70s run, and it would still feel like a good episode of the show, which is, yeah, it's really rare for a very first episode of something to just be so fully formed and aware and confident and sure of what it wanted to be right from the start. Yeah. It, it's very surprising. And on the bonus, you've got uh, some guy who went on to be, who will uh, end up being like one of the most remembered and looked at directors in the history of film. Mm-hmm. You're seeing him as a very young guy, do some interesting, odd, experimental stuff on a murder show. I mean, that that's not something you see a lot. And it, it's it's great. Yeah. And look what else they got for the first show. Like, what Levinson and Link were doing. I mean, I know they had a history before this, but they... I don't know if it was the script. I don't know how they were able to pull all these people together. But for this first episode, you had... You know, let's not discredit Martin Milner. I mean, he was in a big show at that time. He was in Adam 12. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, I'll be the victim for like the first five minutes. Like I'll, you know, I'll basically be in a cameo in this brand new show. But I think that just points to how high the quality was that people are like, I want to get on this right away. And then, of course, as you know, people are calling up like dying to be you know, right. villains on, on like Columbo. this and, this and the old Batman TV show. Oh, so. Star- Every, oh, every yeah. star going to be on it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking right now. I'm just looking quickly, uh, talking about the writing. Uh, Stephen Boschko, who we've covered already a few of the things, because he wrote quite a few Columbos, and of course, pages and loading. But yeah, I mean, a lot of it is a lot of it is his script, though. Too, it's like it's actually a really good 
uh, pretty good mystery story. I mean, it's, it's yeah, he wrote a good murder mystery back then when he was before he started doing L.A. Law and <laughs> Cop Rock. But then also NYPD Blue. But yeah, 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 yeah. But and before, Hill Street yeah. Blues too, right? Oh, Hill Street Blues. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. So I mean, this, I mean, this, he, this must have not been that long into his career either. Mm-hmm. So you've got a writer and director who ended up having uh, immense uh, impact on the culture, uh, the early days, uh, doing some really, really good work, like right, uh, right from the early in their careers, which is, I think, is interesting. So, yeah, overall, it's a wonderful uh, example of Columbo. And it didn't take them long to get, get yeah, it didn't take them any time to get into it, actually. So Thanks, Columbo, for being good from the start, I guess. I don't Thanks, know. Columbo. Everybody yeah. Well, and thank you, uh, Gwen, sure. for being on the show. This was totally fun. Yeah, it's so hard to find people to talk Columbo with me for but an hour. Still so. like we talked about at the beginning, it's still weird that that's the case. <laughs> it's it's weird that ours was the first program to do this. Like, I would have figured there would have been more of these out there. I mean, there's, there's, two. there's two. I mean, that's good. There's two yeah. now. There's the uh, the Columbo podcast, which has a better title, more direct. Uh, the Columbo <laughs> podcast, <laughs> they're in Scotland. But yeah, the fact that it went from like zero to two, like you would have thought somebody that there would be more of these, but uh, yeah. Uh, so, um... Well, you're doing the Lord's work, clearly. Oh, thank you. Here at Jesus, we're talking about Columbo. Oh. <laughs> um, we got an in. Yay. Uh, so, if, if folks want to uh, see your work, where should they go on the internet to do so? Oh, it's uh, super easy. It's just avclub.com. Uh, I, let's see, a lot of stuff is wrapping up right now. Right now, I am reviewing another mystery show called Broadchurch. Oh, the, the American version? I haven't seen the American version yet. The American version is horrible, and oh. I advise you never ever to watch it. It's great. So, point. so this Art has been a wonderful. This has been a wonderful assignment for you, then. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Well, then, but so the British version. Broad. This is Broadchurch season two from the BBC, and that's going on right now. Um, oh, that's. Oh, that's about, on now. They, they already started running that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because so, it was going to be covering. It's covering the trial, right? Right. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah, that up too. What? Right, so, it's, been, it's um, been around for like three years, so <laughs> it's true. But people still and everybody, right. so everybody in the UK has already seen it. Oh, okay, and we have a lot of commenters, and so in the comments, we're like, "Well, when this happened, ah, ah, so I'm, right. I'm, I have screeners, and I'm trying really hard uh, to stay unspoiled. Okay, um, I'm also I'm writing about the slap on Thursday. I write a lot about TV, but it's all on um, avclub.com. Oh, and this is like this week is. Um, the biggest week of my life, other than Christmas, because it's Mad Men week. Oh, um, it comes back. Oh, okay. That's coming back on Sunday, so we have a ton of Mad Men coverage as well. Ah. So if you like TV, yes, definitely check out AV Club. At the AV Club, yes. Because you guys pretty much cover and recap everything. We, so, we yes. try. We miss some stuff, but the good stuff, we usually get to. And All sometimes right. the bad stuff, like Under the Dome, we get to just because it's funny. <laughs> that's coming back soon, I hear, too. Oh, so, oh. folks... Stay tuned for our Under the Dome podcast. We'll be starting uh, up. You know what? I think there's probably already 20 of those on iTunes. It's, I reviewed a couple of those, and it's <sighs> just laughable. Like, I just I couldn't even get through it. But sometimes sometimes writing about something that's really horrible is, can be more fun than writing about something that's really good. Yeah, it's no Snoop Sisters. More, more snarks. So. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, that is another edition of Just One More Thing. Uh, if you want to follow along with us when we're, you're not listening to the show, uh, we're on Twitter, J-O-M-T Podcast. Uh, we've got a Tumblr uh, where John posts screen caps and uh, other whatnot. 
That's uh, teamcolumbo.tumblr.com. And, of course, if you want to write to us, uh, colombo at thecitydesk.net. And we are still looking. Uh, we've gotten some folks have written them in. Uh, the people that you think would have been good murderers in the 70s or 90s and 2000s, Columbo, uh, send those to us, and we will uh, read those off on an upcoming episode. But yeah, we'd like to uh, get that from you. Uh, if you want to listen to new episodes of the show, well, now if you want to listen to the show, new episodes or old, uh, you can find studios.net slash just one more thing or the podcast section of iTunes, uh, the TV and film section there. And you can tell I just kind of got my uh, rehearsed patter mixed up in my head because <laughs> I should have said some of that first. But that's fine. I didn't kill anybody. Oh, well, that's it. That's the program for this time around. I'm R.J. White. I'm John Morris. Uh, thank you for listening, and uh, we will uh, talk to you next time. Thank you. Oh, listen, just one more thing. of you. Sorry to call you. Um, here in Philadelphia, uh, I'm a member of this kind of like uh, uh, mystery book club thing, and it's it's my assignment this month to pick uh, the book for us to read. And I thought, oh, you know, I, I should, because we just talked about it, I should pick one of the uh, Franklin and Ferris uh, uh, Mrs. Melville mystery novels. Uh, but there's just so many, I, I don't know which one to pick, and I was hoping you could help me, because I know uh, you, you've got a lot of them Maybe you can help me with Oh, this. yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge Mrs. Mel. Oh, sure, sure, we all are. Yes, no, great. So, uh, I mean, you, uh, let me tell you, you can't go wrong if you want to start off with, you know, the classic prescription murder. Right. Or there's a, there's tincture murder. Sure, or homeopathic solution murder. Or uh, analgesic murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, herbal remedy murder. Uh, poultice murder. Second opinion murder. Uh, unjoint murder. Sure. Are you familiar with a, uh, the Mrs. Melville Dada mystery, The Dog Who Wore Large Shoes? Uh, no. I hadn't seen that one. But there's also there's a murder uh, ball. Sure. Uh, there's also uh, the Mrs. Melville erotic adventure, Red Sheets in the Elder Care Facility of Love. Uh, oh, uh, there's a murder. Murder? Murder. Hmm. Uh, I've got a copy here I could loan you, I suppose, of uh, Mrs. Melville and the Time Lords. Uh, no, uh, about that. There's also a murder in the make-believe ballroom. Hmm. Uh, there's a murder at the end of this book. Who's murdering now? Uh, Mrs. Melville in the Chamber of Murders. My first murder? Uh, here's uh, one of the first ones I ever picked up. Sick murder all up in this piece, son. The 90s adventures of Mrs. Melville. Oh, hey, I like those uh, reboot things. Oh, 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 up at the uh, Radio Shack murders. It's a good one. As along those lines, I've got a copy here of Techno Crime at the Winter Prom, a teen Mrs. Melville mystery. Ah, okay. Is that a murder for living? Uh, uh, Deadline Poughkeepsie. Return to Murder Ball. How about It's a Me, Murder Mario? That uh, Murder Soup. Oh, here's another favorite of mine Murder Most Penis, a Mr. Melville gender bed mystery. Oh! 
Maybe. Oh, oh, oh here I got that, uh, the man who was murdered by Abigail Mitchell. Oh, I love that one. A lot of tension in it. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're in more of a fantasy vein, I got a copy of The Elf Murders of Shannara. Eh, not a huge fan. Oh, wait, how about uh, Last Train to Murderville? Ah, catchy. Uh, Go Set a Watch Murderer. That's your posthumous book. Oh, it's kind of sad. Uh, I Murderer. Mm. You're a murderer, Charlie Brown. Exile on Murder Street. Too many murders. Murder. Uh, the Late Night with David Letterman book of top ten murders. If this be my murder. Murderpedia Brown solves the case. Murder Dick or the murder. I've got here a, uh, a medical mystery, Dr. Murdoctor. Murder? Murder? Who's got the murder? Hmm. Blood murder idiot? Death by murder chocolate. I do have uh, also a copy here of No Vacancy at the Murder Hotel. The Unabridged Murder Dictionary. Oh, we're sticking around for it. Uh, how about The Real House Murderers of Orange County? Uh, the taught political thriller, The Murder Lacks Imperative. Mm. Uh, murder Me This, Murder Man. Murder Ball's Revenge. Murder on the Ballot. Murder by Proxy. Mm, here's my, I think my last one. Uh, happy Murder Day to you, dear murderer. You know what? I think I'm just going to go with the original classic uh, prescription murder. That might be the best one. Yeah, probably not a bad idea. All right. Well, I, I thank you, John. I, I appreciate your help here. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll talk to you later uh, when we, uh, if we ever do the show again. All right. I'll see you after the hiatus. All right. I'll see you later, uh, Johnny. What a tedious man.